Hi, everybody. How are you? Another Tuesday night with Isaac Jamal, certified life coach, speaking to you about some things that you thought you wanted to talk about and some things that you're trying to avoid. Uh, the last couple of subjects we've covered have been really, really deep and interesting, and there's been a lot of information that's been circulating. And as always, I'm grateful to everybody for their comments and their, their feedback and um, you know, just sharing and starting conversations in our homes because this is what it's all about for us to be able to start thinking deeper about our fulfillment, our passions, our purpose, our lives, and how we can walk into that, how we can actually feel that every moment of our lives, that aliveness. Um, tonight's subject, I really chose this morning because it really seems to be the subject of what I've been discussing in sessions over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's the summer coming to a close, uh, transitions of where you might be for the summer or not, but sacrificing our happiness for our success seems to be something that touches every single one of us. It's something that we all feel like we have to do, and there might be some truth to that, and we can discuss and debate of how much sacrifice of oneself do I have to give up for achievement, for family, for my religion and my spirituality, for my employer, and on and on and on. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to start the journey with you guys tonight on when we were young. What were you like in your teenage years? You know, 12, 13, 16, 17, in high school, what did life mean for you then? Many years ago growing up might have been different than it is today. High school might be now for you if you're listening and you're in high school. It might have been just a few years, but what's those feelings or aspirations, those dreams that you have of what you picture life to be? What's the vision that you have of yourself when it comes to financials or career? Well, how about family? Children? How about what type of Jew you'd like to be? All those visions, all those ideas, all those dreams that we have of what we would like when we're younger. And as life goes on, we search for someone to share our lives with. We're looking for someone that we're hopefully going to fall in love with and have a wonderful relationship, raise some beautiful children, and of course, they're going to be well-behaved and they're going to be well-educated and we're going to have a balanced life. And of course, we want both boys and girls. We want them to be respectful. We want them to graduate, hopefully with honors or very well, go to an esteemed college possibly or find a good job. We want them to be safe. We want them to marry into beautiful families so that they can repeat exactly what we are doing or what we aspire or dream to do. And as a person grows up in those years of teenagers, you know, as teenagers, we, we have these visions, we have these dreams. And then slowly, 
a few years after high school, going into possibly college and beyond, and we're in our 20s, and life doesn't seem to be exactly the way we pictured it. We've been told that if we work hard, we would be successful. Sometimes we are and sometimes we aren't. Financial dreams. You know, boys especially. Girls a lot today as well. But you have to grow up and you have to make something out of yourself. And expenses in the areas that we live, well, they're hefty. There are some serious tuition bills. You know, there's some bills that might have some expectations socially. A lot of people struggle with helping the house or going away for your, your summer vacation like we have. Possibly other vacations. Could it be a Passover trip or a winter break trip or a Sukkot trip or just a you know summer trip to Europe? And those pressures of financial start to settle into one's mind. And you start looking for a job. Or you're lucky enough to have a father, possibly, or uncle, or family member, or someone close that you know that has a business. You could be the son of, an, of, an, of someone who owns a successful business. But this pressure to succeed and press it to achieve. And ladies, I'm not excluding you at all. Today, I think there's a lot of pressure on ladies as well. There's a lot of desire, but also a lot of possible pressures of keeping up when a young man might not be able to start supporting a family in the level that they would like in the beginning and might need support from women. And we all know that our wonderful women, they're capable of just about anything, you know, stronger and and, 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 and more witty sometimes and more intuitive and very successful. But this sense of achievement starts to take over in our lives. And we touched on this last week. And I called it the science of achievement. And we start thinking of things as achievement-based expectations. Turn our mind into something that we constantly just feel like we have to achieve and we have to gain and have to amass. And as life goes on, what ends up happening to us is we find ourselves sacrificing more and more. That makes sense to anybody? How did that happen? When was the moment we decided we were going to sacrifice for achievement? Could it have been a thought Possibly that we had that there's a certain amount of money or expense that we have to hit. So the way I think about a career, a job, a business, I back it into how much it's going to make. I, I can share it's just, you know, like I said, the, the subject I decided this morning, so a lot of it's just fresh in my mind. I spoke to a young man yesterday who has been in sales for quite a number of years, but isn't very successful at it. His work, his uh, wife works, I think, two or three jobs, and together they try to, you know, pay the bills, and they have five children, and they're trying to make it, make it through. So I started having a conversation with this young man, and I told him, uh, 
do you like sales? He says, not at all. So I said, I asked him and I said, so what is it that you really enjoy? He says, I really enjoy children. I really enjoy sports and I really enjoy children. And I said, so why wouldn't you consider a field in that? And he almost, you know, he, he laughed at me saying that I would never be able to support my family. So there's a case of sacrificing possibly something that he might love and enjoy for making sure that his family had enough. Now, I'll address that a little bit later what my thoughts are, but I just want you to start thinking about where the point of sacrifice comes in. Does a husband work very hard and very late that the relationship between him and his wife or him and his children comes with an additional sacrifice? He doesn't get to spend as much time or he's not as present in his relationship. He only gets time maybe on the weekend with the children. Maybe he's so exhausted that he, he's not fully there. And they're sacrificed there. How about a woman who might be at home raising some children and she's sacrificing herself and her relationship so that her husband can achieve. So she's raising children on her own, so to speak. But basically, the grind on the day-to-day, getting them up in the morning, making sure they're fed, making sure their you know, schoolwork is done, they're looking proper, if they need their lunch, you know, dealing possibly with nurses or schools or tutors, making sure that everybody's okay, making sure that she's getting her whatever she needs done for the family, making sure that the, you know, the, the food is there, possibly doing the groceries. And we start sacrificing a lot for us to be able to keep up and to achieve. And even as we become successful, and that science of achievement starts to settle in for us, and we start making a little bit more money. What happens then? Well, now it's possible that we have enough money that we want to buy a home or a second home. And then more sacrifice has to be made. Or maybe we own a home or two, but now we have some money coming in. Let's fix the home. Let's go on that extra vacation. Let's make that bar mitzvah in Israel. Let's, and the list goes on and on. And what happens then? Expenses become even higher. So more sacrifice needs to be made. And here we are on this treadmill of sacrifice. How long is the sacrifice for? When do we start thinking about some of those dreams, some of those purposes, some of those wants and needs and fulfillments that we've put aside? And there's this dynamic of if-then. And listen to this because it really makes sense. I like to put it in a context of happy currency. That all of us have a certain amount of happy currency. And a lot of us, what we do is we put our happy currency on the future. We're betting the futures. Or if you'd like, we're in the casino 
and we're putting these chips on something that might happen later. So if I'm younger, I might be told or I might believe when you get into that college of your dreams, you'll be happy. And then when you're in college, they tell you, well, if you get yourself a good job, then you'll be happy. And then when you get that good job, they tell you, well, after the first couple of years of you working really hard, you'll start making the salary that you want, and then you'll be really happy. Or if it's accelerated for some people. It's always an if-then scenario. And my happy currency is always going on the future. When you buy a home, you'll be happy. When you get married, you'll be happy. When you have children, you'll be happy. When you buy the boat, you'll be happy. When you get the car of your dreams, you'll be happy. When you get the spouse of your dreams, you'll be happy. When does the if-then cycle stop? I'll tell you one thing. It doesn't. There's always more to achieve. There's always more to buy. There's always more to do. Because as we get older in life, and we have children now of marital age, it doesn't stop for us. The expenses of tuition, of you know, clothing them and supporting them might turn into a car. It might be an expectation that I have a client like this who feels very upset and very angry at his parents that they don't have enough money to buy him a house because his friend's parents are buying him a house. And he feels that he's entitled and might be upset with his father for not being that successful to be able to leave him over a house or a business. And he has to go out there and he's got to work. But does the sacrifice end? And if you have three, four, five, six children, is it buying a house for each one of them? How far does it go? And it goes till the end. Achievements don't stop. I have a client who's in his mid-60s, and he's achieved in his life. And he really wants fulfillment. He does. He truly wants a better relationship with his wife. He wants a better relationship with his children, who are now older and in the business field themselves and have families, so they're busy, and now he's got to make up for time that, he's never, that he was never there for. His wife feels like I've been doing this alone forever, and this is a good person. We're not talking about bad intent here. This is all positive intent. This is all something that we want. We want fulfillment. We want good relationships. We want to give ourselves, but, you know, I, I have to keep up. I've got to pay the bills. And the rules that we have set up for ourselves – the rules of how we live and expectations of us and parents, please listen. If you're raising children today, if you're raising you know, teen teenage children especially, those expectations that we set for these children sometimes are so high that they never feel like they're going to be a success. And it's really stunting their growth. They're not allowed to expand and be who they are. So parents, I want you to really pay attention. If there's a passion, if there's a desire, a talent, 
that someone is showing. And we push that off for something that we might feel is going to have them achieve more. I'd like you to think about this for a moment. What if that talent was their fulfillment? What if that talent was their purpose? What if that's what they were created to do? I think this is an important subject for us to have. And as a life coach, I want to say this. I don't deal with Torah and mitzvot. We have rabbis for that. We have wonderful rabbis for that. But when it comes to spirituality and our connection with Hashem, I think it's vital for us to have that conversation. It's super important for us to have that conversation. Because fulfillment is a human spirit conversation. That's having a relationship with our Creator. Now, we don't tell you how to have that relationship with your Creator, but having one is very important. And fulfillment, or the art of fulfillment, begins with being in tune with ourselves and our purpose and desire. Now, I know, and I've been having this conversation, that some of these concepts are really deep. Some of these concepts we haven't even stopped to even think about for a moment. But that's why we're on the treadmill, because we haven't stopped to think about them. What would happen if you stopped for a moment and assessed your life? What are your priorities? If I asked you right now and I gave you two minutes to give me the list of the things you value and priority list, what would they be? Would it be family? Would it be your spouse? Would it be your children? Would it be your parents? Would it be your health? Or would money be the most important priority on your list? And you've all heard me say it. Money is fun. Money equals fun. And we all want it. I agree. The speaker included. I love money just as much as anybody else's. Anybody else does. But is it life? Is it life? Is there is that all there is, is just achieve, amass, buy more? Is that all life is about? And I go back to this point, and I want you to think about it. When Hashem took a moment in time, and He was creating your soul, And he put intent into the creation of your soul. He saw exactly the path that you were going to choose. Yes, with free will. We all have free will. But with that foresight of your choosings, of your decisions, God created you anyway. Have you ever thought about that? that that creation of my soul 
had the exact intent that I'm living, not taking away any free will? So if he had intent in creating that soul, and he put a certain talent, a certain magnetic emotional draw, let's go back to that story of children, can it be that he can make a successful person achieve through his true intent and purpose? Or do we push that aside and say, no, that's not going to happen. He's got to be a salesman because that's the only way he can make the money. That's the only way he can achieve. Because the, the, the dollars don't make sense. It doesn't add up. Just take out the calculator. And I'll be the first one to tell you that when I started, you know, I decided to coach full time, that the dollars didn't make sense to keep up with our community's expenses, with six children, with two homes. It didn't make sense. But I'll tell you what did happen is in a course of a short amount of time, the divine intervention or that happened on my journey was astounding. Nothing short of miraculous. The people that I met, the people that signed up, the organizations that kind of fell into my lap by sure happenstance to teach me everything I knew, organize it, put it into a science, and grow this business so that I can give the results to our people that they're looking for. Because I had a positive intent, because my care and my love for people and giving them more, teaching them how to be fulfilled is what I wake up for every day. I love to move people. And I don't mean just motivate or inspire or teach them positive thinking. Because that's not what a life coach is. A life coach teaches you how to ask the questions we've been avoiding. How to, yes, understand the science of achievement, but also have the art of fulfillment with it. Because I said many times, achievement without fulfillment is failure. But maybe, just maybe, this young man who has a desire to work with children, that it's not about the math. It's about the passion. It's about the drive. It's the hunger of truly believing what it is that you are doing or giving as a service that that miraculous number, achievement, expansion, divine intervention comes in. And maybe that's why he's struggling so much as a salesperson. Maybe that's why he's having such a difficult time because he's being redirected. But if we're not stopping and paying attention to who we are, 
what is my senses, my soul saying to me? Are we even paying attention? And once we've achieved, and we're on that treadmill, because God knows it doesn't stop. What, what is it all for? Have you ever stopped and asked, why? Why, why am I achieving? Why, why am I running so hard? What's it all for? And I know it's for family. A family could be happy, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm out of my mind when I say this to people. I'm out of my mind. You know, and I, I constantly use this two-home, three-vacation because one of my clients said it to me, and he said, yeah, and he was, like, really, really, uh, 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 in an honest way, was telling me, what do you mean? Two homes and three vacations. That's what I have to give my wife, and that's what I have to give my family. I said, what about you? Don't you have to give of yourself? Well, I don't have any time for that because I'm so busy getting them what they want. I said, did you ever ask them what they want? And he said, no. I said, well, then why are you doing all this? And he says, because that's what they told me what to do. That's what they told you. And they promised you that once you had the two home, three vacations, you'd be happy. Mind you, this is someone who's making close to half a million dollars a year. I have another client who's making a half a million dollars a month and has given himself stomach issues beyond belief. He wakes up every day worried about losing it. What if it all goes away? Well, you have it now. Why can't you enjoy it? Because I'm, I'm too worried about it going away. And that anxiety and that stress of constant achievement takes us over. And us slowing everything down, us taking that moment and really listening to what is the message that my soul is sending to me. And, you know, emotional intelligence, there's books out there, some wonderful books on emotional intelligence, but... Fear in itself is a message. If, you know, I was standing or, you know, in a field somewhere and I saw a lion, you know, a few hundred feet away, and fear com comes over me and I have that sensation of fear, but what's that fear saying to me? That fear is waking me up. It's my internal alarm clock. To say to me, you got to figure this out. You got to keep moving. Otherwise, if I freeze and panic, I'm lunch. And maybe I'll take a moment and I'll discuss internal alarms. The most vital of alarms are the loudest inside of us. Sorry about that. We are on Mammoth Road, and the police are just coming by. But the loudest alarms are the most vital inside of us. And they're physical because our life can be threatened. For example, 
If a person is hungry, there's a sensation in his stomach of being hungry or feeling like there's a hole in there when really it's the nerves that go up to the brain and send that signal that says, hey, you need to eat. Because if we didn't have that signal, we'd go days without eating and God forbid one would die. Another one of those alarms is, you'll excuse me, but going to the bathroom. When your bladder is full or you feel like you have to have a movement, there's only so much of those toxins that your body can take. You must release them or it can be very dangerous for the body, possibly life-threatening. So that alarm comes up. Now, you could push these things aside and say, well, I'm not going to eat today, and yes, there's days that we fast, but how many days can you go without the food? So that alarm constantly starts to ring. Third one is sleep. If we don't sleep for three days, one can possibly have his life at risk. So our body automatically yawns, gets tired, wants to take a nap, closes its eyes because it's essential for my life. Now, those are all physical examples of an alarm system that goes off inside of me telling me, hey, you got to pay attention. You got to wake up. We're telling you something here. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to go to the bathroom. And when it comes to our emotions, it's the same thing. Fear. What is fear? It's a call to action. Yes, we have to overcome the fear for us to be able to have that growth. That emotion is there for that, for that reason. It's a call to action. Love. Love is a call to giving. Remember, I saw a beautiful video from uh, Aleha Shalom, who I was very influenced by, uh, uh, Rebetzin Esther Youngrice. And she had a couple come to her and said that we don't love each other anymore. And she said to them beautifully, it's not that the love died, the giving died. The emotion of love means I want to give you. And when it comes to our spirit, our soul, and its purpose, it's paying attention to what we truly want and desire. What are we drawn to? Are we good with people? Are we musically inclined? Am I creatively inclined? Am I very good with numbers? We all have different talents. We're all created special. But some of us can live our full life just achieving, not paying attention to what that message is. And I'm here to tell you that I've worked with hundreds of people, been blessed to do that. And a lot of, I, I want to say most, when they first come in seeking help, guidance, or assistance and finding this fulfillment the idea is it's going to be surface it's going to be something that I just need to tweak 
give me some tools, give me some ideas, give me some techniques, inspire me, motivate me, teach me how to have this positive thinking like we were saying earlier. Thing is, is motivation, positive thinking, inspiration, it cools off. It's temporary. And then you need more inspiration so it's not sustainable. And the real work, the underground work, is rewiring your belief system. Rewiring your thought system. Rewiring the rules and the regulations that you thought what were the ones that were completely boxing you in. If you start having innovation, creativity in your thinking, there's so much you can accomplish and feel fulfilled. It's a lot of work with yourselves it's a lot of deep work with yourself and being in tune and honing in to who you are. How you can influence the world. You were created with intent. You weren't created just to come down here, achieve, and then we take you away. I mean, we think about it all the time. What is my legacy? What do I want to leave behind? How do I, do I want to influence the world in a way where I made a difference? And I want to tell you it can be as simple as walking around and smiling at people and saying, good morning, good afternoon, how are you feeling? Because that makes a difference in people's lives and you feel fulfilled. I don't think I've spoken about the six human needs on the podcast yet. But there's six human needs that every human being on the planet needs. And we're filling these needs up all the time. I'm not going to get into detail because I want to get to the fulfillment ones. But the psychological ones, first one is called certainty, where I want security and safety. Number two is I need a sense of variety in my life. I need change. Life becomes too boring, monotonous, the same. So I need a sense of variety or uncertainty, excitement, adventure thrilling. Number three, the sense of significance. I need to feel important. I need to have value. Number four, love and connection. We all need a sense of love and connection, although most people will settle for connection because love is too vulnerable and might hurt you too much and might get you to close so it's safer to have a connection than love. That's a podcast for another time. 
But here's, you can have all four of those at high levels, but without these two that I'm about to mention, you'll never feel fulfilled. And those are growth, an ability to become more, do better in any field. If it's your health, you want your body to feel better. If it's your career, you want to advance it. If it's your relationship, you want to go deeper. If it's your community, you want to grow that. Constant growth is equal to happiness and fulfillment. And the last one here, which I want to talk about a little bit, is contribution. When we contribute or give from ourselves to something more than just us, expanding our circle, our spouse, our children, our families, our congregations, our communities, our people, the world at large, to contribute. Those are the two needs that give us fulfillment. When we think of how we can influence others in any field that you're in, even if your purpose was to be a salesperson and you're selling chairs, but your intent in building every chair or creating every chair is to make sure that people are going to sit on it and feel comfortable. Their backs are going to be supported. Or aesthetically, it's going to give you a certain feeling. There's purpose in that. There's fulfillment in that. As opposed to just selling a widget. But I have a little bit of a controversial conversation with everybody. And I think that part of our fulfillment, because when I say contribution, you automatically, or I do, think chesed. And yes, chesed is fulfilling. You grow as a person, you're giving more, so you're contributing. But my belief and my opinion is that this achievement-based thought process has leaked into the way we practice our religion as well. We have a checklist for just about everything. Do they keep Shabbat? What type of kosher? What is their dress code? Where are they affiliated? Where do they eat? The list goes on and on. The resume. We've brought it down to achievement. The achievement doesn't end. We're so achievement-based that we're forgetting about the spiritual side, the fulfillment side. And so many people feel like they're sacrificing their whole lives and they're struggling. I see them, they call me. I stay on the phone with them. I was on the phone with someone last week. He's making, I believe, somewhere close to seven or $800,000 a year. He hates his job. I know, to all of you, that's crazy. If I was making seven or $800,000, I'd be so happy. Are you sure? Are you sure you'd be happy? 
Because once you step into that space, the illusion, the idea, is very seldom the reality. Now think about that. Man's achieved. He's made it. He's got his business. It's running. He can't stand being there. And I can't tell you how many of these phone calls I get. You know, I'm, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working somewhere, and you know, uh, my, my, my boss is calling me, or my father's talking to me this way, or my uncle's upset with me because they don't feel like I'm really giving to the business what it needs. Because we're most of the time expecting someone without the skills, the talent, and the passion to fill the role. So we're going to force that square into the circle. We're going to make him a soldier. Achievement-based. We've all become achievement-based and we've forgotten about fulfillment. Our focus, our goal is fulfillment. To feel content, happy, grateful with such gratitude for so much choice and abundance. And that work that I was telling you that needs to be done at the, at the bottom, at the foundation, at the core, is what used to work then is for some reason not working now. And we got to take a look at the whole rule book. We got to take a look at the whole thing. Do we look at a business as how much it's going to make for me or possibly and turn down something I might love or be passionate about and put my whole heart into because the math doesn't end up, add up? We have to question those desires. We have to question those feelings that we have. And we have to slow down enough to be able to do that. Our calendar is severe. Here we are, end of summer, for Svaradim, Selihot, Monday morning. And the holidays roll in, and that's another month. And then after that, you're scra- scrounging, and then Thanksgiving's going to come, and then you got Hanukkah, and then you got the end of the year, and then there's that winter break, and then everyone's starting to think about their summer again. Oh, don't forget, Purim, what are we going to put in the baskets? What are we going to give? And then there's Passover, we've got to clean the house, or are we going on vacation because it's too much? We don't really get to spend time with family because everyone's somewhere. And then here we are again. Preparing for the summer and it's Memorial Weekend. And then the summer comes in and it rolls and there goes the calendar again. When do we stop? When do we get off and say, no more? We can't live our lives like this anymore. We need to start feeling alive. The spirit needs nurturing. It needs someone to pay attention to it. 
And if not you, then who? Who's going to pay attention to it? It's calling out to you. You've muted it out for so long, you don't even understand what it's saying anymore. It's something that I speak about or I get at least one phone call a day about. The anxiety is driving me crazy. The stress is going to kill me. I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. I don't want to get up in the morning. And these are people who are achieving in their lives. These are people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. We're not talking about the guy who's struggling to make fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars a year and trying to, you know, really put it together. Or I'm really angry with everybody and have a very easy time of just shutting the door in someone's face because I'm not emotionally available. You know, the attributes, those three, are basically the three that really cause us pain, suffering, stress in our lives. A lot of the times, God forbid, leads sometimes to physical ailments. And I'm in the belief of a lot of times we do it to ourselves. We use or manifest a lot of words a lot of the times that might do detriment to us. So we have to be careful with what comes out of our mouths. But again, that's a subject for something else. But between stress and anxiety, depression and sadness, and anger... All those three, the remedy is the same. The remedy is always the same. You have to rewire your rules. You have to understand what your operating system is, which one of those three, if you find yourself sad, anxious, or angry, find which one of those those are, and the healing's all the same. You have to start being grateful, count your blessings. Gratitude is one of the best healers that we have. And we have so much. And give. Contribute from yourself. And I don't mean just write out a check. I mean physically do it. Just find a way to serve people. Any way, way you, you would like to do it. If it's visiting people that are sick, if it's delivering stuff, if it's just, you know, helping out with someone's kid, I don't care what it might be, but give of yourself. Do it enough that you feel filled and you feel happy and you feel purposeful and light yourself up. It has to start at the core. It's not just a tool or a technique or a methodology. It's not an inspiration or a motivation or a positive thinking. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. We have to go back and look at the rules. We have to go back and look at the, the, the game that we've set. Change the game. Change the rules. Do something 
erratic. Somebody was in here yesterday having a terrible time in their marriage. And again, a good person wants to really make his wife happy, but he's so busy achieving, and he's got a schedule. And he kept, I said to him, well, if your marriage is about to break apart, then cancel out the schedule for a week and spend some time with your wife and get to connect again so I have no time. Does everyone hear that? The person I'm supposed to love, cherish, and spend the rest of my life with, the person that I've made a commitment to love and support forever comes after the people that I need to see or the things that I need to sell. Does that make sense to anybody? Why, God forbid, does there have to be something difficult in our lives to stop us and say, oh my God, I can't believe we've gotten here. I can't believe we've done this. How did it get so bad? It's because you're in the process of achieving. But you've forgotten that fulfillment without achievement is failure. And say it again. I know these concepts make you think. They are deep concepts. They are supposed to stir your soul. Because that's where the good stuff is. That's where the aliveness is. So, listen, maybe again to this conversation. And start thinking about the things that might fulfill you that you're putting on the back burner. That you say, okay, later. And later never comes. Because you're so busy. I hope that I've been able to serve all of you tonight. I'm always grateful, as usual. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And good night.